Well, this morning, if you have a Bible, I'd love to have you open up to the book of Jonah. That's where our readings are going to be this morning, starting in chapter 1. It's the second week of our summer series we're calling Summer Stories, where we're going to go through some of the familiar, well-known stories in the Old Testament and retell them, and then ask God, how do these stories speak to us in the moment that we're living in right now? Last week, we talked about Genesis and the story of creation, and again, This morning, we're going to talk about Jonah. And so before we get into the scripture, I just want to ask, when I mention Jonah, what's the very first thing you think of? And I'll I'll give you just a minute to, to answer that. If you're online with us, especially if you're online with us live, when I say Jonah, I want you to type in the comments, what is it that comes to your mind? Well, when I was asking this of our worship team just a few minutes ago, Wendy said, a whale. Of course, most of us think a whale. That's what I often think of. But to give you a little bit of background, Jonah is an Old Testament prophet. That's the name. It's a very short book, only 48 verses long. And it's actually not about a whale, even though many of us think it is. The original Hebrew language is translated as a large fish. Whales are mammals. But that's not really important because it's not about the fish either. Uh, The book isn't actually about Jonah either. It's really about God, and it's about us. The, The story that we're about to read at least the first half of poses the question, where do I find myself in this story? Where do I find myself in the story? Because we're all Jonah at different points in our lives. We're all called to go to places that we don't want to go, aren't we? We're all, uh, we all put our heads in the sand when we really don't want to go and we feel overwhelmed with life. We've all underestimated the power of God inside of us. We've all had moments where God has used a storm to turn us around and follow him. And I wonder, maybe God is using the storm that we're in the midst in right now for that very same purpose. Now, if you don't know the story, the things I just shared all come from the story of Jonah. If you look at the first chapter, it's, it's about God calling Jonah, his prophet, to go to a terrible place called Nineveh. A place that he does not want to go because God wants him to bring a message of repentance and hope so that those people would be drawn back to him. But Nineveh is the last place that Jonah wants to go. And so he decides to take a boat and go literally in the opposite direction. And in the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells some of these stories in, in kids' language, I love how it says that, that Jonah said, I want one ticket to not Nineveh, please. I want one ticket to not Nineveh. And I think, man, I could relate to that. How many of us would like one ticket to not 2020, please, right? Can I go back to 2019 or fast forward to 2022? And so, so he gets on this ship to go literally 3,000 miles to a place called Tarshish, away from where God was calling him to go. And while he was on that boat, a huge storm came. Huge storm comes, and he's sleeping at the bottom of the ship. Now, he's not sleeping at the bottom of the ship because the waves are rocking him. The sailors on the surface, they're they're terrified of their lives. My theory is the reason he's sleeping is because he can't handle the tension that he feels inside of himself as he is going the opposite direction of where God is calling him to. He just can't escape how that feels. He's so overwhelmed and full of anxiety that he just takes a nap. And that might sound silly and surfacey, but have you been there before? I know I have. 
When life just gets so overwhelming, you just want to put a a pillow over your head. I mean, many of us have been there at several points, even just in the last several months, saying to God, I don't want to go where I seem to be led to go. And then as things progress, what we end up doing is the same thing Jonah did. We run away, literally or figuratively. But see, the truth is, when God is leading us in a certain direction, we've got to (laughs) go. And we've got to go whether we want to go there or not. And so the captain goes below the deck, and he wakes Jonah up. And it says in in verse 6, it says, The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Notice that the people that the shi- on the ship have all different views of who God is. They all have different kinds of faith. And Jonah, we know as we're reading the story, is the one who has faith in the one true God. He's the one who knows the only God who can stop the predicament that they're in. He knows him, and not only does he know him, but he's a prophet. God speaks to him, and he speaks on behalf of God. But see, In the midst of this, Jonah doesn't want anything to do with it. He doesn't want anything to do with it because the world Jonah, that God has called Jonah into, is just so broken that he doesn't even want to think about stepping into it. And do you ever feel that way? You ever feel that way as you watch the news or you think about your family or you think about whatever concerns you might have and you just think, I just don't even want to step into it. That was, I, I felt that way even just this past week. Things that are so broken and overwhelming. And so you just decide, you know what, I don't even want to take responsibility. That's where Jonah was. And it says in, in Jonah chapter 1 verse 7, The sailors then said to each other, come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast out lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So when Jonah didn't want to take responsibility as being the one who could do something in the situation, they casted lots. This was a a random event that ended up landing on Jonah. Well, it landed on Jonah. You know why? Because God is going to draw Jonah to where God is calling Jonah to go. You can't run away from God. You can't sleep away from God. And what you're going to see next is you can't deny your calling from God either, especially not in the midst of a storm. And so we see in the next verse, Jonah chapter 1 verse 8, they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And Jonah answers in chapter 1, verse 9. He answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, if you're following along in your Bible, I want you to look at that verse, and you'll notice that that Jonah doesn't answer one of the questions they ask. Can you see which one that is? He doesn't answer, what kind of work do you do? He doesn't answer, what kind of work do you do? He never told them his job that he's a prophet, that he has a direct connection to the God of everything. He never told them that. Meanwhile, they're all going to die. Don't you think that little bit of information might have been important? Be like being with somebody who's having a heart attack and, and somebody, and you're a cardiac surgeon and someone says, who are you? And you say, well, I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> There's a little bit of information that might be helpful in that particular moment. See, Jonah was running away from his calling. 
Jonah was denying who God had made him to be. He's trying to run away. He's trying to sleep it away. He's trying to deny it away. And eventually, the sailors throw him overboard at his own request. And you think the whole thing's over. And he thinks the whole thing's over. And suddenly, this gigantic fish, that one thing you thought about when I said Jonah, comes and swallows him whole. And he's in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights, which gives him some time to think and to pray, and he writes out this psalm-like prayer. And when I was looking at these 48 verses this week and thinking what part of this story should we focus on in this particular moment, that's the part that I thought might be helpful with all the stress right now in life. With all the anxiety that we're all going through and feeling right now, maybe feeling like we're stuck in the belly of a fish is a little bit more like something that we can relate to this year than we've been able to in the past. And so my question is, how does Jonah pray? When, when he's, he's tired of running away, when he's tired of sleeping away, when he's tired of denying his calling, and he's been thrown overboard, and he's at the end of the hope that he has, and he's sitting in the pitchback belly of a giant fish, how does he pray? Well, let's read it. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. I mean, you could just feel the weight of Jonah's prayer in that particular moment. He's feeling guilt and shame and fear and pain, right? I mean, you look at the beginning, he he ran away from God. It got worse, not better when he did that. It started with a ticket, It, it led to a storm, and now he's literally drowning in his fears, and he's at rock bottom. And yet, I want to remind you, as we talked about at the beginning, the story is not about the whale, and it's not about Jonah. It's not about either one of those things. It's about you, and it's about me. Because don't we do the same thing when God calls us into a season of life of suffering that we have to endure, of hard places? The worse it is, and I don't know about you, but I'll say this for myself, the worse it is, the more we try to run away. And the more we try to run away, more often than not, the more it seems to close in on us. It's like drowning, right? The heavier and the heavier our bodies get, we slowly feel the weight of our running away crushing on us, just like the water was crushing on Jonah. But here's the hope, friends. It's in that moment of desperation and pain that God intervenes. See, see, Jonah's alive in the belly of the fish. Jonah's alive in the belly of the fish, and it wasn't until literally he had nowhere else to turn when he had run as far away from what he did not want to do as he could. He was at the end of his rope, and it was at that moment that God answered. And he says it in his prayer, verse 6. He says, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. He was at the bottom of the ocean, 
When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, I want you to memorize verse 10 right there. It vomited Jonah off to dry land. I'm, I'm serious. No, I'm not. But don't you love God's detail in the midst of his word? This, this gross detail that at God's command, this fish puked and Jonah popped out. Divine indigestion if there ever was. But here's the last question. I'll get serious again. Is if, if this story is really about you and me, and if it's really about, about God intervening in our lives, then the question I want to ask is, is why does he wait until the last possible moment to do so? We see that, that if he sent a giant fish, that, that surely the same God that could do that could have sent a, a giant hawk to, to pluck Jonah off of the, the, the shore before he ever got onto that ship. If, if God was able to send a storm to wake up Jonah, then surely he could have sent a tidal wave that just picked him up off the surface and brought him back to Nineveh. But see, God didn't do that. He waited until he was at the very end. And see, oftentimes we get angry at God when God does the same thing to us. We say, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? Why didn't you stop this from the very beginning? I mean, let's just talk about what's happening today. God, why did you stop this virus from ever getting out in the first place? Why did you not stop it from getting into my country, my state, my town, my family? And see, whether you're, you're going through a storm that, that you bring on yourself or whether it's a storm that's been brought upon you, it's easy to ask God the question, why? And what we learn from Jonah is that when we ask God the question, why, he answers us. He answers us, and the answer is, because I'm not finished with you yet. I'm not finished yet. See, while our pain and mistakes and and the things that happen all around us, the things that we bring on ourselves, and the things that we have no control over may feel like our end. The story of Jonah teaches us that when we get to our end, it's really just God's beginning. It's just God's beginning. Remember what Jesus said, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And in the message paraphrase, the author, he writes it like this. He says, You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. And friends, where there's God, there's good. Last time I preached on this passage, I, I shared a story by a, a pastor. His name's Daniel Ritchie. He's from a Baptist church in North Carolina. And he writes about being born without arms. And he says that the most painful thing about his life, and it is the most painful thing, has at the very same time for him become a platform, not just to show God's grace to himself, but also for him to put on display God's grace for the world. And he quotes C.S. Lewis, who said this, he said, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I believe that 
Just like Jonah's life, God is using the pain that we're experiencing right now. That he's using the the struggles that we're going through right now individually and collectively to speak to us. And if you're like Jonah and your faith is in the one true God, then God wants to use you to speak hope to others as well. Pastor Daniel writes in in this article that he writes about his experience, he, he says this, he says, one of the most interesting realities of suffering is that our personal pain also speaks to those around us. Our pain becomes God's megaphone for a watching world. The world gravitates to the cancer patient that has hope and peace in the midst of suffering. Bystanders are astounded over the parent who clings to the good father while at the same time buries their own child. He said, my friends are taken aback when when I shrug off the hateful words that people say about my disability, and then I turn my focus on what God says about me. Our pain gives us a platform, he says. Friends, in the kingdom of heaven on earth, broken is the stage, hope is the message, and you are the voice. Broken is the stage. You are um, hope, broken is the stage. Hope is the message, and you are the voice through which God intends to speak. Because, see, I don't know about you, but I know that that the fastest way that somebody can make me feel inadequate and more anxious and more concerned and more questioning of myself is when they tell me how much they have it all together how awesome they are, how faithful they are, how smart they are, how confident they are. Don't we have so many voices right now in this world that are speaking a message just like that, and we wonder why no one is able to help one another? Because, see, those voices aren't always that very helpful. But, see, when someone speaks their pain... When somebody speaks their pain, when they share how they really feel, now I'm listening because I know in those moments that there are moments in my life when I feel inadequate, when I've run away, when I'm not awesome, when I'm not smart, when I'm not confident or faithful. But see, when somebody shares their weakness, that's a platform that I can hear their voice through because I've been weak before too. I can relate to suffering. This is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, My grace is sufficient for you, is what he said. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Jonah uses his newfound platform not as a holy prophet, but as someone who is a fellow sinner, who has just finished himself trying to run away from God. It's at that moment in the story, if you read the rest of the verses, that you'll see that now he turns around and goes to Nineveh, a city of people who are making the same mistake he just did. They've run away from God. And maybe it's not even because of the message that he shares, which really isn't that impressive if you read it, but maybe it's the simple fact that he now has experienced the need for God's grace, and that's the reason that the people listen, because I'll tell you, spoiler alert, these people repented and turned back to God. And I'll bet they listen not so much because of who Jonah was, but again, I believe it's because 
He was a broken prophet who had run away from God and they could see themselves in him. And I believe that God has the same plan and purpose for us. And so can we pray for that right now? Lord Jesus, you are our Savior. And as we come together in worship, it is to acknowledge that you are God and that we are not. And then further from that, Lord God, we pray that by your grace, the faith that you instill in us would drive us to such a place that we would see just how much we desperately need your grace and your truth and your hope. Lord God, I know that in conversations just this past week, in moments in my head, I have been more confident than I should be. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would replace that confidence with humility. Help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Lord God, help us all to see our place in the story of Jonah as people who have also tried to run away from God that sometimes it takes a storm to draw us back. And Lord God, would you use the storm that we're in the midst of right now so that we might hear your voice and do your will, not only for ourselves, but Lord God, so that you might use our brokenness as a platform that we might share the hope that you have given us, that our voice might be the voice that you've intended to speak. It is in your name we pray. Amen.